0: are listening to the Down the Wormhole podcast, exploring the strange and fascinating relationship between science and religion. This week, our hosts are
1: Uh, Ian Benz, associate professor of elementary science education at UNC Charlotte. And I'd say the thing that we bought recently that I'm really excited about is we got John a brand new bike.
2: Rachel Jackson, rabbi at Agudis Israel Congregation in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And a purchase that I made recently that is enjoyable is a
3: six-pound bag
2: of gummy bears.
3: Kendra Holtmore, PhD student at Boston University. And my favorite recent purchase is my new Venus flytrap.
0: Zach Jackson, UCC pastor in Reading, Pennsylvania. And my favorite recent purchase is my new pair of Aftershocks
4: bone conduction headphones. My name is Adam Pryor. I work at Bethany College in Lindsborg, Kansas. The most enjoyable thing that I have bought recently. That, okay, so this is a technical question. Does it count if my wife bought it, but I consider it from us both.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, okay. You're basically one person. It's fine.
4: <laughs> I, I don't think she agrees with you about that. It's um, in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she doesn't like that quote. Um, Genesis one.
2: Come
4: on. <laughs> uh, so the I think the most enjoyable thing that I've bought recently was the birthday present for our son who turned one today.
5: Oh. <gasps> That's oh, right.
1: Happy birthday, happy little birthday, guy.
4: Little happy wife. birthday. Which is what? Like- oh, uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. He's one. He's not going to know. I mean, it's that he gets to, like, rip the paper that he's excited about. <laughs> um, no, it's this, like, rockety tunnel tube thing that he can crawl <gasps> oh, into. Those
2: are amazing.
4: So, yeah, I think he'll he'll enjoy that. Um he clearly has all of her genes about like climbing in and through and on top of things. So this will collapse when he climbs on top of it, which seems safer in general. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a good opening question. This yeah,
0: is. because today we're talking okay. about gratitude and I believe this is the concluding episode of our big emotions series. And so we're going to be talking a bit about the um, the academic study of gratitude as well as the religious elements of gratitude and the practical applications of gratitude. And so I thought that the best way to begin this episode would be to consult with the patron saint of gratitude, which is a title that I've bestowed upon him. Um, he's not even technically a saint, but he is my favorite dead Christian. So, um, (laughs) St. Rogers.
2: Oh, as in Mr.
0: (laughs) Yes. As in Mr. Mr. St. Rogers. (laughs) Um, this clip was from his, uh, he, he received a, A Lifetime Achievement Award in the 1997 Emmys, and this was
5: his acceptance speech. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are, those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life? 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my family and friends and to my co-workers in public broadcasting, family communications, and this academy for encouraging me allowing me all these years to be your neighbor. May God be with you. Thank you very much.
0: My favorite part about this video clip, which if um, I would encourage all of you listeners to just go on YouTube and look for Fred Rogers' Lifetime Achievement Award, is that 10-second pause in which everyone in the crowd just kind of begins by awkwardly looking around and then they all start weeping and smiling and they're all thinking about those people that have encouraged them along the way and that have helped them along the way. And in that moment of have of Fred Rogers making a safe space to feel gratitude, that you can just see... The Hollywood cynicism melt away off of people and this pure joy flow through them. And I don't think there's ever been a person in my lifetime who has been better at cutting through the kind of modern cynicism and like uh, bringing people to their knees <laughs> in a gentle sort of a way. There's a wonderful interview that he did on The Tonight Show when Joan Rivers was hosting. And, you know, it's Joan Rivers and she's trying to be who she is and being real snarky and sarcastic. And she asked him to like, oh, can I wear your sweater? And And... He goes, okay, and takes it off and gives it to her and she, she puts it on and she's trying to make jokes and, you know, it's, you know, the way you make fun of Mr. Rogers for being corny and cheesy. And then he tells her that his mother made that for him and that every single Christmas for almost his entire life, she would knit him a sweater and that each and every one of the sweaters that he wore on the show was handmade by his mother and it was a way of of feeling her love uh, and remembering her support. And Joan Rivers didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> because she is who she is. And she's trying to be, you know, this snarky, edgy comedian. And suddenly she's like a 10-year-old again. And she's hugging her mommy. And it's emotional and beautiful. And I... There is just something about the way that he, the orientation by which he lived, this orientation towards gratitude for other people, for the world itself, for exploring the way that things work, that just... It's so needed right now, um, because man i it's just so easy to be cynical and jaded in these days, so one of the things I find really fascinating about gratitude is that as an academic study, it's only like twenty years old, and Kendra, I know you've done a lot more research than I have into this, but like we're still doing the the early stages of of, like, scientific research and neurological studies and even genomic studies. But this is something that people have just known in their
4: bones since there have been people. Well, some of the challenge of that, right, is trying to distinguish gratitude from altruism, mm-hmm. right? As, like, distinct mm-hmm. things?
0: Yeah, because— What do you mean? What so do you when mean? we look at, um, say, the animal kingdom— and we see that a um, chimpanzees are more likely to, to help another chimpanzee that has helped them first. Um, chimpanzees are more likely to do things for the keepers that have fed them most recently. And some people would see that and then read gratitude into that, but gratitude being something that is felt is hard to hard to know if something that we can't communicate with is feeling anything. And so...
2: Right. It's it's easy, it's easy to anthropopathize other creatures whose behaviors mimic ours, but we don't actually know if the emotions right. are Right. So
0: we talk about reciprocal altruism, um, in which someone does something altruistic, and then you do out the altruistic thing back. And it is a trait that encourages communal thriving, and so is a trait that is selected by natural selection um, for communal thriving.
2: Right, because cooperation is better for, uh, societal cooperation is better for, well, the society, but also the individuals within that society. So, So
1: can we then step back and define the difference? What's the distinction then between altruism and gratitude? Or what is gratitude? Yeah. So yeah. So one, what is gratitude, and what's the distinction between the two?
0: I have the uh, the most commonly used definition from Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough, um, who define it as a two step process. First step being recognizing that one has obtained a positive outcome, and number two, then recognizing that there is an external source for this positive outcome.
3: And I can add. The one of the things I wanted to add about gratitude is that it's in this category. I think we've talked about this before, um, but this category of self transcendent emotions is something that um, awe is also in this, this family. But self transcendent emotions are thought of as things like awe and gratitude, and also compassion, and um, they they have the social function of. You know, doing things like coordinating a group and are um, socially beneficial for like getting a group to survive the their circumstances and environment because they make people work together or create feelings of like thankfulness and reciprocity between people. And so, gratitude, things like gratitude, compassion, awe, all do that in a slightly different way. So, I think when we talked about awe, we talked about how it can be. Um, Something that makes you feel like the boundaries of yourself are extended and you feel this like interconnectedness with people. Mm -hmm. Um, Compassion is something that like makes you feel like you should help someone who's suffering. And so in that way, like they will probably help you when you're suffering and it's beneficial for the group. Gratitude is um, also in this category, but the typically the way that it's talked about um, as being like socially beneficial is that it it um, helps to develop feelings of reciprocity and promotes altruistic behavior or like pro-social behavior. And so, you know, there's like a lot of facets of like, what is gratitude? Like you can talk about it in terms of its social function, but also like the physiological um, responses that happen, which is true for all the emotions that we've been talking about. Um, But that's when in terms of like social function. It's, it is it um, is like the, the greatest benefit you could say is the reciprocity that people feel and it, it sort of like creates this downward or like the snowball effect of like altruism and pro-social, pro-sociality that continues to build and is just like overall typically really positive for a group to be able to survive and work together and share resources and things like that.
0: I think it was I think it was Cicero who said that um, gratitude is the greatest is the mother of all virtues, and that all things come from that. But Cicero was also an ingrate and an awful person, so I'll take that with a grain of salt. So uh, um, along along those lines, uh, one of the things that I found really fascinating in my research in, into this is um, the, the in terms of just its uh, ability to bind socially, that it it functions to find, remind, and bind. And I love things that are in threes that rhyme. As a preacher, these things just tickle my fancy. Um, so it helps people to find or identify people that are good candidates for quality future relationships. It helps to remind people of the goodness of their existing relationships, and it binds them to their partners and friends by making them feel appreciated and encouraging them to engage in behaviors that will prolong their relationships.
2: I like that too. I'm gonna steal it.
0: Find, remind, Um, and bind. That'll preach. mm <clears throat> and so it's, it sounds like a three-part sermon. Well, and it's no wonder then that something that is so key to social cohesion would be so prevalent in like every religion, because so ma- much of the function of religion in, in society is to bind that society. And so we see it all throughout, uh, all throughout our traditions and our scriptures. Um,
2: yeah so so if I can jump in on that part, there's this um, structure. so Judaism is a highly liturgical religious piece, right there are some there are some religious traditions which um you know, they might sing a hymn or two or four, and it goes and whatever, and the 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 pastor, the preacher can can basically do whatever they want in terms of liturgy. Um, Judaism is not that. Judaism is a you will do these things in this order at these particular times of day the end and more liberal religiously liberal streams of Judaism have said yes but we're going to be a little bit you know we're going to expand the box and figure out what those things mean but we're going to keep the the same basic structure and in that in that same basic structure there are these morning prayers which, depending on a person's ability as well as the synagogue's ability, a person would say these things at home. The these these first morning prayers, and this very first one is about um, individual gratitude, where it's in the singular moda, um, like mm-hmm. I moda anil I offer thanks to you, which is. Literally, like me, myself, me, myself, and I, and that's in the morning. And morning is defined as any time prior to noon. And then in the evening, it switches. And again, you can hear moda anila in the morning, and in the evening, it switches to modim anachnulach. We are grateful to you. So in the morning, we have to start, and and that's intentional, that we have to start with our own internal gratitude. We have to begin our day looking at the world, and in some traditional circles, that prayer is said before exiting the bed. So imagine expressing your first moment of gratitude before your foot hits the ground, and how the rest of your day is going to go. And then at the end of the day, you come together with your whole community, and as a community, you say together, we are grateful. Look at everything that we ourselves have done during the day as an individual, and now we are together as a group, similarly expressing that so that that positive energy that we've tried to establish as an individual can come together as a group. And it, it, for me, that that is really powerful to start as one and end as many, um, so that's just one example where gratitude sort of bookends our days. Um, and and another another little piece on that that I want to add um, that I found a very big difference in different religious traditions is before is eating, right? <laughs> How many people say a blessing before eating or a prayer before eating? Um, we're rewatching. My husband and I are rewatching The Big Bang Theory because it's an awesome show. Um, and we just got to a scene where where Sheldon and his mom are eating, and she says, "You know, in our house, we say we we pr- we we pray before we eat, or you know, something like that." And they go through this prayer, and it lasts, you know, fifteen seconds. Um. And I know it's a TV show and it's not exactly reality, but I've seen that kind of prayer in many other circles, right? Okay, everyone hold hands and we we bow our heads and we pray for 15 or 20 seconds and say thanks and then eat. And in Judaism, we have that 10 second prayer over the thing you eat and over the thing you drink, and then you eat. And when you're done eating, you then say a three minute prayer of, Thanks for all this food.
1: For every every meal.
2: For every meal, oh. it's called uh, Birkat Hamazon, right? The prayer of eating, um, because there's the prayer of this is the food I'm going to eat, and then there's right. the prayer after eating because there was this recognition that before eating, you're darn hungry, huh. and you're not really focused on gratitude. So we were talking about Maslow's hierarchy, you know, this in a couple episodes ago, and the recognition of these prayers of expressions of gratitude can only come once the base needs are met. If you're looking at that amazing challah, right, this beautiful egg bread that is just like heaven's food on a plate, right, um, you're lo- you're not thinking about much else. Right. So once you've eaten it and you've satiated that animalistic, that internal physical need, then you can elevate your status and elevate yourself, not your status, your, your emotional and your spiritual side and say, ah, oh, look at all these wonderful things that I can be grateful for. And it's this long list of gratitude for, um, the food for the table, for the people around you, for the people that made the food for living and breathing, and it's it's really very powerful to then take those few minutes to just pause and and say it together. Um,
0: How often do people actually do that? Like,
2: well, it depends. So there's lots of different streams of right. Judaism, and I use the and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little quick tangent here. Um, the term streams is preferable over denominations because a stream means that it's coming from the same source and kind of go into a same source. It just takes a different path, right? So all Jews, whether they're ultra-Orthodox, Orthodox, Reform, Humanistic, Reconstructionist, Conservative, I could keep going, um, All come from the same source of Torah, all come from the same source of Jewish law, halakha. And it's just an understanding of how we deal with that in our own personal days and where that leads us. Um, So can I interrupt real quick? Yeah.
1: I'll let you finish in a second. Okay. But I have to get this out and you guys know how I work. Yes. When this pandemic is over and and it's safe for us to be in each other's houses again. Yeah. Can can I please come over for dinner? Of course. And just experience this because I think this is really cool. Yeah. Like I would love to experience the full cultural impact. So yeah, okay. it's awesome. And carry on. It's awesome.
2: awesome. <laughs> um, so that's why I say streams as opposed to denominations, which is like a a major break. Right, that there is a massive difference between Protestantism and Catholicism, and even within Protestantism, there's lots of different breaks. So that's why we use this term stream as opposed to denomination. So I say that in in order to answer Zach's question, how often is this done? In the more traditional streams where this, this law is meant to dictate how one lives one's life, it's done after every meal, quite literally every meal. And to the point where if you go to Israel, and in Jerusalem anyway, and you go and grab a pizza by the slice, kind of place or just a quick falafel, right? a stand-up place, and you eat it, right? you're there and you eat your falafel and you're by yourself and that person by themselves and that person by themselves, you all get together at the end of your meal and you say this prayer together so that you can fulfill this commandment, you can fulfill this mitzvah. Uh, Mitzvah, by the way, means commanded, it doesn't mean good deed. Just throwing that one out there too. so you do it together, and so in those communities, it's every meal. In more religiously liberal communities where that kind of law is not dictated and doesn't drive every daily religious decision, it would probably be done on Shabbat, right? On the Sabbath dinners, on holiday dinners, on big get-togethers like after Passover, or right some uh, uh, an occasion where lots of people are together as opposed to every meal. If that makes sense. So again, it's that a question of a frequency, but it's still done and it's still known. And if you go to kids' camp, it's done at every meal, right? To to wow. teach kids how to do it. And um it's got all these catchy tunes and um, you know, on holidays it begins with like this beautiful et etc, etc. Um so it's got this like really upbeat like whoa we're full and so full of happiness and gratitude and just this explosion of praise. Um which I think is when when I was listening to Zach talk about Fred Rogers one of the differences that I that I see in Fred Rogers and others that express this this deep gratitude is Fred Rogers um Zichunamlevracha, right? May his memory be for a blessing. Um had a very gentle and calm demeanor. And then there's the explosive gratitude or that energetic gratitude. And I don't think one is better than another. It's just based on personality. But I think both are also both are necessary. And of course it's a spectrum, it's not really a both. Um So that's just a little bit from our tradition, and when we look at gratitude, it is this idea that we say a hundred blessings, a hundred pieces of gratitude every day. Like, say a blessing over the rain, say a blessing over a rainbow, saying a blessing for seeing something ugly, which is one of my favorites. For seeing something ugly? Thank you for seeing something ugly. Thank you, God, for creating diversity
3: thank you God for and then could that just be an insult if you are saying that about a person bless your heart (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: way to go with that little southern phrase (laughs) (laughs) so it could be but that that doesn't feel very um, authentic or kind (laughs) so sure it could be you know it could be one of those like Yiddishisms (laughs) may you swallow an umbrella and it open up inside of you
3: (laughs) oh wow I like that
2: one yeah, It it's seems intense. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so I think if you give it right, if the idea that you see something, and and another part of that when you see something else ugly, and I will say that this was done by, by people who were not very um, sensitive to, how, to diversity. So a couple of these prayers were written, you know, 1,500, 1,800 years ago. And so there's one about seeing someone of unusual size um and that meant vertically or horizontally um and you would say thank you for turning my eye like thank you for creating a distraction and for for making me pay attention to something else right so it's sort of it's sort of like rubbernecking when you're when you see a car accident right and you could say a blessing for that and that's how it sort of changed to like wow thanks for seeing that train wreck
0: So I've been teaching uh, my congregation about uh, Pharisees, uh, Sadducees, and Essenes this past week. And one of the – and you can correct me if I got this totally wrong – but one of the misinterpretations that Christians seem to have about the Pharisees is that they were horribly legalistic people trying to earn God's favor and salvation through good deeds. and you know, this is where we say like, oh, stop being such a Pharisee about that, like somebody who (laughs) needs to follow all the rules. And some of that comes from um, Martin Luther's hatred of the Catholic Church and projecting onto the Pharisees what he saw happening in the Catholic Church at the time, and we've caught on to that. Um, But it was my understanding that following strictly following these these laws and having these oral traditions that then um, in some cases make the laws more specific and stricter, <coughs> ha- didn't have anything to do with earning God's favor as much as it was an act of gratitude for God's faithfulness. That you follow the law, not so that you won't get in trouble, but as a way of saying, like, thank you for 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 calling me this is the least that i can do is to you know do the things that you've asked me to do
2: yeah absolutely i mean i think i think that second interpretation is kinder and and probably more apt because if you look at what the job of the pharisees was right their 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 day-to-day role in the community it was it it was a conduit to God is how they understood their role, and when we look at sacrifices again, right? The Judaism used to be a sacrificial cult. Um, when we look at the different kinds of sacrifices that are made, there are, of course, the the sin offering, the guilt offering, um, the tax offering, right? The the tithe, like, oh, these guys need to eat, so here we'll offer something to God and. The rest of you guys can also eat the rest of it. But there's so there's five different categories. And of the five, one of them is Thanksgiving. 20% of sacrifices are strictly out of gratitude. And so if we can, if you can imagine everything that you do in your life, 20% of that comes from a place of thanks. So I think that that is more apt. And, and, and remember, if we, again, if we look at what the Pharisees and, and who came after, they're, they're taking very seriously this idea of covenant, that you were in relationship with someone. And we've all been in relationship with someone, right? Every one of us, whether that is God or not. Right. And there are things that you do in your relationship just to show them just to show them that you're thankful. Right. We I mean, there's pop culture books about this all over. Right. The five love languages of every relationship now. um, (laughs) Adam's not a
0: fan. Adam's. (laughs) No
2: one's surprised. My love language
0: Uh, is sharing memes. (laughs) i don't don't know if that counts as gift giving but
2: (laughs) quality time
0: Um, so
2: yeah so i think i think it would be fair to read them as much more kind than you know the playground insult that you shared what a pharisee
4: (laughs) (laughs) so I, i when so so when i when i think of this right i um I, I, I think of um, I think of Derrida, yeah. No surprise <laughs> there, um, right? But I but I think about um, I I'm going to need his... you
2: to explain what that word or person is.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, so Jacques See? Derrida is a philosopher okay. who um, is in some ways noted as being the the father of what's called deconstructionism.
2: Okay, thank you.
4: Um. So this is not the sort of like maybe. Traditional path that you would go with Derrida, right? But I think about his writings about gifts. And in particular, this sort of I, I think it is a very stirring notion. I think it's related to some of the things that you're talking about, Rachel, which you know, shouldn't be a surprise, you know, given Derrida's background. But f- for me, the important piece of this, and in a thing that he brings up, is this idea that the, the gift breaks the cycle of economy, right? So a gift isn't a tit for tat. Mm-hmm. Um there's no expectation of a gift. If there is an expectation that you're receiving a gift, then it's just a present and it's not a real gift. Right? Something Whoa. else. Right? So a gift has this this quality of radically opening us. In a relationship in an utterly unexpected way that cannot be remunerated. And for me, at least, that becomes a really critical insight into the structure of gratitude. Uh-huh. Right? To my mind, when I when I think about gratitude, particularly in a religious sense, in, in like a religious sensibility or a moral sensibility, um, I I think about it in these terms of This radical sense of giftedness, right? Gratitude is a response that cannot act as a repayment to something utterly given. It's a pretty specific definition, but also, at least, again, here for me, where within the Christian tradition, when we you know do it okay instead of pretty shitty, Um, (laughs) that is also like to my mind a a pretty pretty good definition of what we mean by grace. So so when I think about gratitude, at least from a theological standpoint, right, it gets wrapped up for me with the notion of grace when Christian theologians sort of talk about that as best as possible. Because I think what they mean is this sort of sense of giftedness that that Derrida I think is really cleverly captured. A sense of response to something utterly unexpected, never possible to anticipate, and something to which we cannot ever offer sufficient response that it becomes an economy.
2: I am loving this definition and this understanding of the depth of the power that can come from gratitude. Um, Just for my own clarification, I, I've heard the term Christian grace many times.
4: Yeah. I don't Uh, think this is usually what people necessarily mean.
2: Okay. Because I've also heard it more from a, and I I don't mean to be irreverent here, but it's going to come out that way. Um, Right. Like, um, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, right? Like that we're you know, bowing down, you know, on, on top of a cart and that it's that it's that it's a, a form of self-deprecation.
4: Self-deprecating Wayne's world, Grace? Yes. Yeah. Excellent.
2: That's that's so when I hear No that'll <laughs> preach.
1: <laughs> so,
2: that's when I hear Chris honestly, when I hear Christian Grace, yeah. I, I that's I picture Wayne's world. Um, (laughs) and, and I don't, I don't really like that. I don't Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Besides (laughs) that, I don't like the movie. It's okay if you, if you disown me for that. But I don't, I don't like that concept of, of really putting this massive hierarchy between a theological being and, or entity and the human that is uh, being saved. Right through grace, and and that, and maybe that's because I'm Jewish and I just don't understand that and this whole concept of being saved. But is th- when you're talking grace, how are you meaning it?
1: And I just want to throw in there real quick. I don't understand the whole concept of being saved either. So it's and, and I'm okay. not Jewish. Thank you. So if okay, we want but, to that
4: sometimes, I mean, I don't I don't think you're wrong, Rachel. Like I I, I think like oh, wow. so often in even really good Christian theologians wrap grace up with this really. I would call it like a transcendent notion of salvation. Yeah. Right? Like those two things get linked together. That's what grace means. Mm -hmm. End of story, right? Um, I, I think that's really like a bad bastardization of what this term was supposed to do. Okay. Um, so for me, right? Working very squarely out of a Lutheran tradition. Where grace is like a really big deal, mm-hmm. there aren't too many things that Lutherans really sort of say like, well, you got to have this one to be in the club. The
2: necessary and sufficient.
4: Yeah, this this you know if you if you throw grace under the bus, y- you're probably out. You're being seen, um yeah. You know you're, you're going to have to make a hard case to sort of get back in. So, okay. like this is the piece where I look at it, and, and part of this is because of it, it was so central to like you know Luther's writings before he goes like bonkers um <laughs> like, like happy young man luther Maybe, who's yeah, optimistic I about read, what i my, think
2: i've only read like bonkers and stuff right
4: like happy young man luther who's like optimistic that the church can still be reformed and he's not actually leaving catholicism versus mm-hmm. like bitter old man luther who's like nobody will listen to me and so i'm gonna throw them all under the bus and send them to hell um pope is the antichrist yeah yeah, I mean, well, that's sort of like middleman Luther, who I'm like, oh, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, <laughs> sen- cynicism found a way back in, uh, but like when when you sort of like push this piece, right? Like I I look at it and say, like it it comes back to this idea, um, for me that's very important that, that feels very resonant to the way you described, like the 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 prayers in the Jewish tradition, right? That there's this line from Luther that's maybe sort of apocryphal, but we'll go with it. Um, that uh, every morning when you wash your face, you remember your baptism. Oh, right, which has this very similar effect of mm-hmm. using a ritual action to create a sense of a reminder of, and this is the key piece for me, the sort of giftedness that Derrida mm-hmm. describes, right? The sheer unexpectedness of waking up today. Yeah. Not in a like hierarchical sense, not in a like we're not worthy sense, but in a I'm freed mm-hmm. of the burden of economy. I'm freed of the tit for tat because this has been given to me, and now I want to give to others.
0: Yeah, there's a theme that flows through some various streams of Christianity um, that we call prevenient grace. That is the grace that was bestowed upon you by God before you knew it. So, we have this this belief that it doesn't take a person converting or acknowledging God or praying for forgiveness and grace and all of that from your wicked ways for God to give it. And so, there's a certain acknowledgement that mm-hmm. we're not perfect, that there is evil within us, that there is there is that within us that is not, you know, of, of God, and but that God is still there, still uh, pouring out grace and love and enabling you to be the person that you were made to be before you had a, any say in the matter um, as sort of a, a low-level baseline grace that I find to be helpful and beautiful. Um, because the grace that I was given like theologically um, in my formative years was a grace that had to be asked for. So, I was taught that we are all fallen by nature, and we are all sinful by nature, and we cannot do anything good on our own. That no matter how good we think we are, how moral we think we are, without God we are um, filthy rags. And so, we need God's grace, and we need God's forgiveness for every sin that we commit. And so, in order to be cleansed by the blood of Christ, you need to ask for forgiveness for that sin. So, like, I used to have this litany of prayers before bed of like, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, and then at the end, there was always the, I'm sorry for the sins that I committed that I forgot about or didn't know that were sins, and I'm sorry that I forgot about them. And that I like, and then I'm sorry that I had to say, I'm sorry that I forgot. Like, you know, it, there's a cycle to it hmm. because that sort of a grace is a grace that is given only after it is asked for. And that's not grace, that's transactional. That's like going hmm. to a coffee shop and ordering a coffee and getting a coffee. I wouldn't say that the barista gifted me with a coffee. That's not the barista's free gift. That's a transaction. Whereas this is what the provenient grace is, is I woke up in the morning and my wife had already made coffee and had offered it to me because she knew that I had a rough night and that I might want coffee in the morning.
4: And and the key to that, right, is that your wife doesn't expect that you're now going to make coffee for her. Right. So it's it's even it's not it's not even just like the Starbucks example where, like, I'm going to give you money and you give me coffee. Right. Like she gives you coffee and there's no expectation that anything else will happen for the rest of the day
2: or that tomorrow morning. It's your turn to wake up early. and her right?
4: Coffee.
0: Like one of the exactly. best relationships advice I got was that a relationship is not 50 50 you each do your half. Never. It's 100 and 100. You both are all in and it is what it is. That's
4: why you're one flesh. Hey. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I don't think. Rachel will listen to this episode, but I just want to—I want to slide that in there, despite her her protests Although of my use of that phrase.
1: Several of us are friends with her on Facebook. We may encourage her to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Rachel.
0: <laughs> so you know, one of the interesting things about the study of gratitude shows that um, people who who believe that a gift given was given with ulterior motives are less likely to show actual gratitude for it. So for example, when an um, employer gives a, you know, a gift or an incentive Mm -hmm. or a bonus or whatever, then it is less likely to be received with, uh, uh, with gratitude. Like for example, when I used to work for Home Depot, they did not give their employees an employee discount. But once a year, we got a coupon book. (laughs) And that was supposed to be some, like, here, oh, you should be so grateful because we have given you these discounts. But I'm like, you know what? This is cheap. You, You could pay me a living wage or, you know, give me some kind of discount on the products, but instead you're trying to buy this. But, like, if I was given a coupon book from my friend, I'd be like, you're amazing. Thank you so much for this. Even the same coupon book. Yeah. Even the same coupon book. Potentially. Because like there was one study where, um, so the beginning part of the study is not all that important. There was an exchange of money where the researchers gave money to the, um, the people. And then at the end of, of it in one group, the researcher says, um, Can I, could I have the money back? Um, This was actually like my money out of my pocket and I'm a little short right now. And then the next group said, um, could you actually give the money back? This came from the department and, you know. Funds are tight right now. And then the third group just got to keep the money. And then afterwards, they were given the the gratitude survey and about how they viewed the person giving the test. And the first group, where they felt that it was like coming from the individual, that it was freely given, almost all of them gave the money back, and they had a high view of the person because they viewed that act of doing the research with their own private money as this altruistic act. Whereas the second group saw the, the researcher in a negative light and a lot of them didn't give the money back because they were like, oh, this was all a trick. They, they were never going to give me this money. This is They're just trying to uh, get free research out of me. And so like the intent behind it is really, really important. And in fact, they have found <laughs> that people who are generally more grateful have more brain activity in the medial prefrontal cortex and anterior cingulate cortex, which you know everyone knows what those do, right? Uh, generally call them just call them
4: altru call well, them generally centers. the
0: pra- places of the brain that are associated with moral cognition and uh, perspective taking. So they find that people who are are more grateful are better at judging other people's intentions. Because so much of being grateful has to do with judging whether or not it is given altruistically.
3: is another, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of studies on gratitude. I know that we know that, but one that is coming to mind now is um, a, a study where people had to keep a, a gratitude journal mm. and they did it uh, for you know a period of time. And um, as, as compared to the control group who was not gratitude journaling, <laughs> um, the people who kept a gratitude journal felt a deeper connection uh, with other people. And that, Like facilitated pro-social behavior, and so you know is like showing Hmm. similar results and connected to the kinds of things that that Zach was just talking about, where there's something that happens in the brain, and it like you know doing any activity that facilitates a a feeling of gratitude, whether it's the journal or even um, you know making coffee for a partner in the morning or Doing ritual prayers after meal before and after meals, like there's a lot of variety of what that can look like. but um it, it's just interesting to see that, like all of these different ways they're they're sort of doing something really similar, and the benefit is that you have a stronger group of people mm-hmm. that feels more in tune with one another, and it's just like a really a beautiful mechanism of pro-sociality. One of my
0: favorite studies was they took a group of people and had them fill out a questionnaire about their happiness level, and then had them think of a person mm-hmm. that has positively impacted their life, and then write a letter to that person. And then afterwards, gave them another test and found that across the board, people were happier afterwards. And people who had come in most depressed saw the biggest increase in happiness. Mm-hmm. So it has more of an effect if you are already low. There's a great uh, YouTube video from Soul Pancake, which is Rain Wilson's channel, and that has people, people come in and then they're told that they have to call someone that has had the biggest, well, they had to write the letter and then they had so to call sweet. the person. And it's beautiful and it makes me cry every time. Yeah. And I show it to my class when we're talking about ways to increase uh, mood and positivity and pro-social behavior. And it is beautiful and we sh- we'll put it in the show notes because you should all see it. I,
1: th- <laughs> I think the older gentleman, what you're talking about, the older gentleman oh. who referred to his professor. Yeah.
0: His accounting professor uh, who's in heaven.
1: Yeah. His accounting professor. I thought that was just so sweet. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a sap anyway, so, you know, I cry. And a professor. Of the hat these <laughs> days. Um, and a professor, right? So, I just thought <laughs> it just was so moving to see the impact. You had most people in the video were picking, you know, either a very close friend or a family member or someone like that. And then you see this gentleman pick uh, um, a professor that he must, had decades before. Um and to see that the role that that teacher had in his life, I it was just so moving. So
2: incredibly yeah. moving. Yeah, um, one of my really favorite. Neat. Yeah, one of my favorite studies on on gratitude, especially when we're looking at the pro social behaviors, is people were given um, twenty dollars, and one group was said, "Here, here's twenty bucks. Go buy whatever you like." And so they would do it they did a before test spend the 20 bucks get something and do an after test like and how do you feel now right and then the other group was said all right here's 20 bucks you have to spend all of it on someone else same thing and the people that spent money on someone else were significantly happier grateful you know whatever right positive emotions after in the after effect than the people who spent the money on themselves so i think when we look at gratitude doing that based in that altruism piece doing something for someone else really really drives home i think that message of being grateful because it is it's just the gift with no strings mm-hmm. I like that And I like that. So sort of like this idea of if if you're a type of person who feels better by shopping, you're going to feel even better if you shop for someone else. Right? Saying, Okay, I'm gonna take this, you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna allow myself fifty bucks, well, I'm gonna allow myself fifty dollars and I'm gonna donate everything. I donate all of that. Like that feels so much better.
0: As a person who loves memes, um, I get the most joy from sharing memes.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're great. <laughs> right? and there's there's a there's a beautiful there's a beautiful quote that I wanted to to add to this comes from Pierre vote, written plus or minus 1800 years ago in the Mishnah, um that is trying to tie into a quote from Proverbs. Um the quote from Pro, excuse me psalms uh, the quote from psalm says you shall enjoy the fruits of your labors you shall be happy and shall prosper and it understands that verse to say who is rich the one who enjoys their lot and i think there's something really powerful about that that the gratitude of just living The gratitude of just existing, similar to what Adam was saying, similar to this idea of modza lefanacha, right? Thank you. Before I get out of bed, before anything was done, just thank you for, for, for being alive and for recognizing that I am alive, right? There's, (laughs) there's, it's not just that you're alive. You're also having the ability to recognize that that is your position and that you can understand and therefore have, have substance in the world and um yeah i just it it makes me it makes me happier
0: mm. <laughs> with those things well i'm thankful for um, um your thankfulness and for the general disposition by which you exist in the world it is um <laughs> It, for a cynical person like me, it is uh, necessary to have people like you in our lives, and so on behalf of our entire mm-hmm. listener base and <laughs> and uh, three fifths of the cynical people in this podcast, um, we thank you. <laughs>
1: Wait, wait, wait Who's yeah. getting left out here? That's, that's what I want to know. He's not a
0: cynical person. <laughs> not cynical. So Ian and Rachel are <laughs> what buoy this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: I feel like I feel like when I get cynical, is I'm down. I'm really struggling. I very cynical.
2: <laughs> so I know we're we're coming to the end. Um, and this is atypical. We started with a question today. I would like to end with a quick question. Um, quick in the sense of quick of our answers, um, what are you grateful
3: for today?
0: Well, I already went.
3: Yes. <laughs> so thank you, and thank you for that. Can I still <laughs> say Venus flytrap? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I'll say something different. All
1: right. You go. Ahead. My
3: husband. Oh, Chad.
1: So I'm always, uh, you know, every moment I'm grateful for my family. Um, But for right now, you know, one of the things I I always look forward to is our time together. Because it just fills that bucket that right now is just draining nonstop. Um, And so, yeah, today I'm very grateful for our time together. Adam has a... Oh, wait, I have to go.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you're just staring at the ceiling. Uh,
4: follow
1: that cheesiness up, buddy.
4: Man, it's it's rough. It's rough to follow that level <laughs> of. <clears throat>
3: yeah, you should have gone before Ian.
4: Right? right. I, there's nothing that I'm going to say that's not going to like immediately prove Zach's point <laughs> about sentences.
3: I'm
0: either. grateful for the cold
4: embrace of oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> There's, I, I mean, I I didn't talk about how the other representation of water that I have from Lutheran theologians is is the cesspool of sin. So this is a sort of double edged symbol. But um, uh, I, uh, so I I am uh, <laughs> uh, do you? It's hard to do a serious one. I'll I'll do a serious one. Uh, so I am grateful uh for for Linus. Oh. Hmm.
2: Little cutie pie. And I am grateful for compassionate, open, vulnerable conversations and of diversity of opinions and beliefs and the ability to break bread after said conversations.
0: This has been episode 63 of the Down the Wormhole podcast. As always, thanks for being on this journey with us. And a huge thanks to our patrons over at Patreon who make this show possible. If you'd like to help us out a little bit with hosting and recording costs, you can find us at patreon.com slash down the wormhole podcast. Join us next week as we continue our Sinai and Synapses interviews. We'll be talking with the Rabbi Jordan Shainer as we explore how the Talmud can teach us how to be better scientists, where our identity comes from, and the unexpected blessing of a Canadian interfaith curling league. It was a lot of fun. Until then, be well, stay safe, and wear a mask.